1: Cynthia Hyatt.
2: Well, welcome to Cynthia's Hyatt, uh, conversation with Cynthia. I'm so glad you're joining me today, and I always appreciate you taking your time really to really learn how to be the best version of you so that you can impact the world in a way that only you can, and that inspires others. And so we have a very special guest today. This is Scott Stein, and he has written a new book, which I'm really excited about. It's called Leadership Hacks, Clever Shortcuts to Boost Your Impact and Results. And so whether you are a business owner, whether you um, are a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you do to serve people, if you're just a mom, a father, leading your family, we all know how important time is and how stressful time can be. And actually, sometimes it can feel kind of traumatizing when you look at your email email inbox and you see all that you need to address and don't know how to organize it, don't know how to address it, don't know how to make sure that you are really spending your energy appropriately. And so Scott Stein, he is an amazing leader in and of himself. He helps thousands of business leaders from CEOs to frontline managers, small business owners, and he helps them really identify ways to make a difference to the people that they manage and the tasks that all of them undertake. So he he details hacks at personal and one-on-one team level, and it really gives you tips and tricks and advises you how to rise above, wow, this is amazing, the daily deluge, and and really make progress. And so you kind of learn how to identify what distractions slow you down. You get to fast-track your productivity so you do it in less time. You do more in less time. You really streamline and delegate to people to perform faster. And I know that would really help me. And, and really reroute meetings into productive outcomes. And this one, I think, is really important. You learn communication and technology shortcuts that get you faster results. So what happens is you kind of shift your approach and boost your communication to really start leading in more effective and efficient ways. So Scott, welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks, Cynthia. It's great to be here.
2: Well, I'm really excited that you're here, and I have some questions for you that I really want to ask you, but I really want you to talk a little bit about how this book came, came to fruition, what, what inspired you, what, what was the, the impetus behind it?
3: Um, it actually happened over a number of years, to be honest. Um, as you can probably tell, I actually am from Sydney, Australia.
2: Right. Um,
3: so I work all over Asia Pacific and um, Europe and the U.S. as well. In fact, I was born in America, uh, but I've wow. been out in Australia, yeah, almost 25 years. And and one thing that would happen is I'd be brought in to work with leaders to get them to communicate and engage their people. And I started noticing that some leaders that got more things done Um, were the ones that actually used these little shortcut processes that most people didn't know about. And what I would do is I'd learn about them, and I would create some models. And I'd share that with another leader, (laughs) another session, and they'd go, can you write all that down? Uh, Because I want to give that to my team. And then eventually somebody said, why don't you just write the book? Uh, Give us a book, a handbook that you can use. And um, that's where it started, actually. People just said, can you put this down in writing so we can start using it?
2: So this is kind of um, innate to you. It's kind of intuitive to you that you just kind of figured this out on your own, just your own way of doing things. And it ends up being able to generalize to everybody.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. Like, I've worked with some, you know, global international CEOs. I've worked with small business owners, you know, in practical strategies, you know, where they're rolling the sleeves up and they brought me in to go, we've got a new player in the market or our patent's going out or... We've got to reorganize how we operate, given you know new technology and new conditions. And by being there, I started working with leaders that could do things differently. And that's when I started noticing the ones that would do things differently. But what I did is started capturing some models to show how they hacked through kind of the red tape and the really complex things to make things simple that other people can use as well.
2: I think it's quite amazing, especially in today's world, the amount of information we have and being able to discern what is most important, because we end up making everything horizontal, every piece of information seems to be of equal value, instead of making it vertical and recognizing what's the most important, what we really need to address, what we can throw away. You know, and I know that I struggle with that very much.
3: Yeah, well, it's not just you, Cynthia. I think most people do.
2: <laughs> um, and Thank it's, you. It, it's not
3: just at, it's not just at work. It's at home. It is. You know, I think I think mums that are staying at home or dads that stay at home and raising the family, geez, they've got to be just as productive and efficient to get everything done.
2: Well, it's their own um, little it's their, it's their own little important. organization, is what it is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the more strategies, the more hacks people can use, um, the better.
2: So tell us, you have some like five common distractions or obstacles that need to be overcome that you really ensure you don't get sidetracked so that you can use those shortcut hacks.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, and in my research, I found, you know, first I looked at what stopped people. You know, we've all know somebody who just seems to always be on top of everything. You know, they just seem to be on top of it. They seem to get a lot of things done. And it doesn't seem like they're really struggling all the time where the, you know, a lot of us struggle. And what I found is there was five key distractions. And what you need to do is find a way to overcome these. The first one is lack of energy, right? Given that we live in a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week world, um, but we're constantly bombarded with things to do. And what I'm finding is people are getting mentally, physically, and spiritually drained. And, and when that happens, they just don't have the bounce back. They don't have the effectiveness. They can't think straight, which means it takes them longer to do things. So, you know, you, you need to find some ways to, you know, crawl back time for yourself. Right. That's one distraction. The second one was the wrong mindset or self-doubt. You know, we all have voices in the back of our head that question what we're doing. And I think sometimes we don't listen to our intuition, you know, our inner vision, the, the deep down voice that goes, I'm supposed to be doing this. It's trusting. And we- that
2: it's really trusting your gut.
3: Oh, very much so. Very much so. And it's, it's that intuition. Yes. The Native American people called it inner vision. Yes. And it's kind of the voice that, you know, the spirit that moves through all things that kind of talks to us. And, and I think we need to actually be aware of our mindset, because if we have the wrong mindset, that's going to distract us. Um, the third one is time fillers. Um, everybody knows that, you know, I know I should be doing a task, but I'm just going to procrastinate and I'm going to fill it with time of stuff that really doesn't make a difference, but I'm going to do it because it feels like I'm completing something. You know, I call it the, the busy syndrome, right? And I think that's something that we need to overcome. And then there was two other ones that were kind of external. One is technology. You know, we're completely overwhelmed by technology and we're not managing our devices. You know, we should be in control of technology rather than technology controlling us. In fact, there was just a Harvard Business Review study that was just done earlier this year and it found you could be working at a desk with your laptop and computer, even if you have your smartphone on the counter, right? Or on your right, desk. Right, right. While you're working, you're, you're not as productive because you're constantly double checking your phone. You got your Facebook notifications, your email notifications, it's bubbing or bimping or anything else. Um, and, 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 you know, we've got to manage some of these distractions technology. and technology. The final one is about interruption. You know, we need to find ways to minimize the interruptions that steal our time. So, for people to be more efficient and effective, they really have to get on top of those five distractions.
2: Well, you know, you bring up a good point about interruptions and in technology. I have I really talk to my own patients all the time about when when we're looking at technology. I remind them, you don't, you can't go as fast as technology can go. You need to pace yourself and not let technology feel like you're being paced by technology, because you will never go as fast as that. You can't feel that fast, think that fast, move that fast. And so we get this false sense of time instead of living in real time. We're living in this expedited time and we're getting exhausted by it and not being as productive.
3: Yeah. And if you look at even email, Yes. You know, the number of emails out, like the McKinsey Global Institute did a report, and they said on average, uh, people at work spend 2.6 hours per day reading and answering emails. So that's 13 hours a week of lost time, Right. you know, and and, and we need to get on top of it. I talk about in the book, um, how to hack your inbox. You know, how do you get on top of these? And, and what I found is the leaders or the people that can really get on top of the technology as far as their emails, they naturally use a four-step process. Um, The first step is they scan. So they just look through their inbox. They don't read them, right? They just have a glance through for what's important or not. The second step is they delete the stuff that is not important straight away. Um, So they don't get distracted with it. The third step is then they sort, right? Then you Mm -hmm. sort by what is important. Um, And then, of course, the fourth step is responding. Um, And just doing that can actually help free up some of your time where you can be in a little bit more control, rather than feeling like you're chasing your tail all the time.
2: Well, and I think, how much does perfectionism come into this, where people feel like they have to do things perfectly?
3: Yeah, I think some people do. You know, they've got very high standards for themselves. Um, And for me, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as long as it's not at the cost of either your health or or how you impact other people. I know some leaders in the workforce that are perfectionists, and because of that, they're actually terrible to work for, and, and many of your listeners would have had a boss from hell before because right. nobody can do it as good as them, um, you know, which demotivates other people. So I think it's about having a healthy balance about that and going, all right, what can I manage, and what are the things that I need to be smarter with? and give myself a break on as well.
2: Well, I think that's important because it's this difference. With, what I tell clients is the difference between excellence and perfectionism, you know, being perfect. So if I do things, you know, to the best of my ability, it doesn't mean I have to do it perfectly because I don't think anybody is going to notice it as much as I do.
3: Yeah, correct. I think we're our own worst critics most of the time.
2: So we're kind of coming up to a break, and um, I really want to be able to address this one that I think is really helpful, and, and that's it. If there were a simple change that someone could do to be more productive when it yeah. comes to approaching yeah. time management. Let's start with that, you know, in the, in the next segment. That one, and then I think you had some that you said there are some just really easy, your favorite productivity hacks, I think would be really interesting to find out about those. And then make sure, tell us where we can when, get your book.
3: Yeah, you can go to my website, www.scottstein.com, or you can go to Amazon and pick up the book there as well.
2: Now, do you have um, YouTube videos as well? Do you talk on this on YouTube?
3: Yeah, yeah. If you go to my website, there's plenty of uh, videos on there. There's a series of different videos that you can download, and there's even some download resources that you can download as well around how do you hack your approach, how do you hack your email, how do you, you know, do delegation differently, and how do you hack team meetings as well.
2: Oh, that would be great. Well, listeners, thank you for, for joining me in this segment, but make sure you, you know, stay stay with us here because we have Scott for another maybe about seven ten minutes, and we really want to hear more of what he has to say. I think that we can all benefit greatly from this, really just getting a handle on our own lives so that we enjoy our lives better, which makes us enjoy others more. So make sure that you join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Make sure you check out all the social media that we have and also the website at CynthiaHyatt.com because this show will be put on the website. You can listen to it if you're not able to listen to it in its entirety. And I'm sure it's one you want to share with your friends. It's so relevant for us because we have Scott Stein with us today, and he is author of Leadership Hacks, Clever Shortcuts to Boost Your Impact and Results. So welcome, Scott. We're so glad you're here.
3: Yeah, great to be here, Cynthia.
2: Good. Well, we talked off air a little bit about two things I really wanted you to address in this kind of short eight, nine-minute period of time that we have, and that's just your favorite productivity hacks and then just a simple change that someone, any of us can just make to be more productive when it comes to time management.
3: Yeah, no worries. I think I might mention um, the the, uh, kind of a little hack to help you send emails. Okay. To help other people actually save their time, which is a big one. Um, You know, because when we send lots of emails, like we receive emails as we talked about earlier, but we send a lot of them as well. What I found any email that you send will have one of five outcomes that you want the other person to take. So if you put this outcome in the message, either in the subject line or at the beginning of your email, what it does is it makes it easier for people that receive the email to know what they need to do with it.
2: Oh, um, and the nice. five outcomes.
3: Yeah, the five outcomes. The first one is FYI. You just want them to be aware of something. Um, the second one is that you need some bit or piece of information back from them. The third thing is you need a decision for them to make. The fourth one is you need them to take a specific action. And the fifth one is you need to have a meeting because it's too difficult or too complex to put everything down in an email. And, and what I'm finding is if people actually just put this outcome in the subject line or at the very beginning, it would give people context, which means it would save them time. In fact, if they did that back with you, it would save you time as well.
2: Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah,
3: That's really simple, easy to implement. And it,
2: yeah, it really does. Correct. And then it makes people even feel more positive whenever they see your name show up.
3: Yeah, and I think that's, that's what we want, right? Yes, we, want it we to do. Spread. We want it to spread. We want it to grow. And, and there's some good things that people do. It's just that, you know, if your email is boring and written as a novel, right. and I don't know what you want me to do with it, well, I've got, you know, 400 other emails. Exactly. Today I'm just not <laughs> going to get around to it. So I think that's something we can do to help other people as well.
2: I like that. So what are these other, just when you talked about your favorite productivity hacks?
3: Yeah, probably my favorite one, and the one that I like, uh, probably speak on the most. So I, I speak and work with uh, organizations and individuals all over the world. In fact, I'm based in Sydney, Australia. I'm, I'm in New York City right now uh, doing uh. some work here. Um, so it's kind of a bit of fun, so I can travel around. But one of the biggest requests I get is a delegation hack. How do I delegate to get people to do what I need them to do? Um, and I think this is a big thing. Um, Harvard Business Review did an article, and they, they actually found that you know 50% of businesses or companies are concerned about their ability to delegate. And and what we know is a lot of leaders, a lot of managers don't delegate. You know, they don't delegate really because they don't know how to. Uh, You know, some of them are delusional, um, (laughs) uh, which means they think that nobody can do it as good as them.
2: Exactly. The
3: problem. Yeah, the problem with that is when you're a manager or a leader, your role is shifted and your role is to oversee and be strategic and to mobilize your people to get things done. So if you hang on to it yourself, you're not actually engaging your people to step up to the next level. So what I found, and in the, it's in the book as well, there's four levels of delegation, and this is what most leaders really screw up, right? The top level, the highest level of delegation is called level four, which is just do it. You know, and this is where I might just give you a task, and I might say, Cynthia, can you just do this? Right, Right? And you say, okay, sure, sure, sure. But I didn't give you context, didn't give you time frame. You know, you do it, but I look at what you actually did and I'm not really happy with it. It didn't really meet my standard or expectation. Now, part of that was my fault because I didn't probably communicate that to you. But this is what most leaders do. They do an unconscious or conscious knee jerk reaction. They go from level four to level one, which is I'm not going to delegate to you anymore. Right. 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 Or I think I can do it myself or it would have saved me, you know, it would have saved me time if I would have done it myself. And that's the biggest mistake that leaders make. They should go to level two or level three. Level two is let's sit down and map it together. Let's map it on a piece of paper. So we're really clear on what it is or a tablet or an iPad. And I'll actually ask you. I'll share some ideas. You'll share some ideas. But we'll get very clear on what are the activities that need to get taken to complete this task. And I'll even ask you, what sequence do you think you need to do it in? So what, what step do you think you need to do first, second, third? But I capture all of that on one sheet of paper, right? I also have a check-in. So maybe it's a six-step process, and maybe we'll check in on step two. So it's a bit more complex. Um, and then I can help shape and guide and coach you along the way as well. Well, and it, and what helps I find them, it
2: helps them really helps be successful.
3: Correct. And what this does is it changes the dynamic of the relationship. Rather than me being a position of power and, you know, talking down to you, It actually says, no, 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 my role as a leader is to coach, engage, and motivate you. So if I do this with you, you're going to perform at a higher level anyways, and I'm going to help develop your skills along the way. Um, That's what level two is. And of course, level three, once you've done this with somebody for a while, then you can kind of transition them to level three, which is, can you map what you think the steps are on one sheet of paper, right? Let's talk about it. Show me, because you might've forgot something or I forgot to send an email through, and then you can execute on it. And these subtle shifts can really change the dynamics of a relationship.
2: Right. So what's one? What's level one?
3: Uh, Level one is just do it yourself, right? This is where people don't delegate it at all, right? So, you know, Uh, that's that knee jerk reaction. So I either don't delegate or I go to level four, which is the top level, which is I delegate too soon. So there's kind of two steps in between that leaders need to really be aware of and need to use so they can connect the right way. And to be fair... The longer you work with somebody, you can delegate at level four because they know how you work, you know how they work, and they can actually achieve things without going through the steps that we talked about.
2: You know, this is excellent. It helps just with any really any relationship you have that you do any oversight for or that you have people that are helping you accomplish something. I mean, this is great for parents, too, because I know a oh, lot of what, parents do, the, yeah. do this really badly. They, they really do. Yeah. They do the one or the four.
3: That's right. That's right. And I've got three kids. And, uh, you know, so the youngest one is um, just about to start high school in Australia. High school in Australia starts at year seven. And my oldest one is kind of in year 12, like high school, uh, about to graduate next year. And I'll map it on paper all the time. All right. What do you think you need to do? And just using the process makes it easy for them. And by putting it and committing it to paper, we both know exactly what we're talking about. So it's not random ideas that are floating through the air. The minute you commit it on paper, people see exactly what you mean.
2: Well, and I think it's so much more relational, which is what technology has been stealing from us.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you can use technology to help. Absolutely. what, What I'll do, and I've got staff as well as I'll map it, and I'll give them the sheet of paper, but I'll use my smartphone to take a photo of it before I give it to them. And that's my reminder of what we've agreed to, and I'm going to use that to follow up with them as well because right? it's their plan. I want them to have the physical piece of paper that we mapped it on, but I want to keep track of where they're at as well.
2: Well, this is excellent. I think we should have had you for an hour. This is uh, No worries. This is great. So tell us again how we can, can find you and the resources that you have out there.
3: Yeah, you can go to my website, www.scottstein, and Stein is stei com. Um, you can go there. You can actually see a lot of my videos. And you can find out more about my talks because I do a lot of speaking around the country and around the world on that and working with individuals and collective teams. Um, or you can actually pick up my book at uh, Amazon as well.
2: That's great. Well, we have about 30 seconds. Any one more thought you want to give us?
3: I, I think the thing that if we can get people to be more effective at work, that means you have more time for the people at home. Yes. And I think one of the biggest challenges, and I see this, you know, big difference between Australia and America. Uh, Australia is work hard, but play hard. And what I've noticed in America, it's work hard, but a lot of people are missing the play hard bit. You're right. They're not, yeah, they're not taking the time to be present when they're at, at you know, at home or with their family. Well, and thank you. I think that's a you. massive opportunity. Thank yeah, you no so worries. much Thanks for you. being
2: with us today. Join us tomorrow and listen to the rest of the show today as we go forward. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. So glad that you joined me, and I hope that you take advantage of all that Scott Stein had for us in that last half—that first half hour of the show. He really was was a great guest, and his book is called Leadership Hacks: Clever Shorts, Clever Shortcuts to Boost Your Impact and Results. And he talked a lot about time management and the way that we that we manage time and how we delegate and how when we are in a leadership position how we really help the people that we're leading and and make use of that time. And, you know, we talked with him about leadership if you own a business, leadership if you are a mom, a dad, anyone that is a caregiver, and leadership, let's think about leadership in our own life as well. Are we really leading us, and are we following the ultimate leader, which is Jesus Christ? And so I want you to think about this issue of time and we've talked about this before on the show but i thought it was kind of appropriate and that really understanding the power of a minute and i talk to clients a lot about this and god really revealed this to me because and I, and the first time i wrote this i was 52 when i wrote this particular little monologue and it really is the, the about the power of a minute and what i did and I know this sounds kind of strange, but I calculated how many minutes I had been alive. And when I turned 52, it means that this birthday constitutes, get this, at 52, I was 27,331,200 minutes alive. Now, this doesn't count how long I was in my mother's womb. So this is a huge amount of minutes, millions, millions of minutes, Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean I'm proud of every minute. And nor does it mean that I managed every minute well. Or pretty. Or graciously. Or whatever. But what it means is that somehow I managed every minute. Imagine if I broke it down to seconds. Because think of the power of a second. What can happen in one second? You know, we hear about car crashes. One second. They made one second delay delay in their response. So think about how powerful your life is. Because every moment you have lived, you haven't missed one minute, you haven't missed one second. Now, it might not mean that you were dialed into that moment completely. But what it means is that somehow you, I, managed all of those minutes because we're still here. And that, my friends, I think is a great accomplishment because truly it it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy for me. And I know it hasn't been easy for you, but we've done it. And God is very proud of us for hanging in there, for showing up in every moment, even if we don't show up at our best. And so it's always comforting to me when I look back and I see how God has been in every single one of those moments. Helping me, laughing with me, crying with me, rejoicing with me, teaching me, whatever it was. He cares about every minute of my life. Not one minute goes unnoticed by him. Think about that. You know, some some of my minutes have been grand. They've been wonderful. And I found myself wishing they would never end. And some of the minutes have been ugly and embarrassing, heartbreaking, brutal, And I was really thankful that they were over, right? And some of the moments, some of those minutes, they were just passing. They they were like a nothing minute. They just were getting me to the next one. But every minute of my life mattered. And every minute counted. Every minute continues to make me who I am today. See, God offers me, quote unquote, these little doses of life in the minutes that I live. So I want you to cherish the minutes. Minutes mean so much. So much can happen in a minute. I mean, we often hear people say, oh, you know, if I just had a couple more minutes or just need one more minute. A gesture of kindness can happen in less than a minute. It's the smile. It's the gesture of courtesy that can change the course of a stranger's day. It takes less than a minute for a baby to be conceived. It takes less than a minute to say, I'm sorry. And conversely, it takes less than a minute to take a life, to ruin finances, to wound someone with words or a lie. So think about this power of a minute. How are you managing the minutes? And this is why I liked having Scott Stein on the show, because he really is helping us take advantage of every moment of life that God has given us. So that all the moments lead to being what he has truly created us to be to being that best version of who God wants us to be and so it's managing the minute it's not micromanaging it's just being aware it's living it breathing it participating in it so we have one more segment to go today make sure you hang in there Come back with me on the other side. We're going to talk more about the power of a minute, about time, owning time, managing time. See you on the other side. I hear the whispers in my well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So if you're just joining in, I want to make sure you take advantage of the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and also the the Patriot website, which has all these shows um, as podcasts. So you can listen to them on the Patriot website. You can also listen to them on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And we are talking about time. And the first half hour, we had a great guest. What a What a wonderful, very kind man. And his name was Scott Stein, and he had written a book called Leadership Hacks, Clever Shortcuts to Boost Your Impact and Results. And he had all kinds of ways to help us manage technology and time and really step up into a leadership position. Whoever we are interacting with, whether it be owning a business, whether it be managing people, you know, whether it be parenting children, give, being caregivers, whatever it is that we really help to lead so that we all end up getting to where we want to be. And he gave some great shortcuts about really managing time. And so we left off talking about this idea of the power of a minute and recognizing how important one minute can be and cherishing minutes. And I was talking about this idea of how many minutes I had been alive, and it was an astronomical amount. It was like... By now, because now I'm 56, it must be like 29 million some odd minutes that I've been alive. That That's amazing to me. And what can happen in one minute, and and really cherishing life. Because think about how people feel when someone passes, and they think, oh, the last time I talked to them, I, I kind of brushed them off. or I, I, I wasn't really present. I didn't really... Interacted in the conversation, I hurried them along, or we had bad words, you know, or I, or I lied to them. And so think about this, about time. And I don't want us to be crazy about it and, and overwhelmed by it or overfocused. but to value time. God has given us time to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he's given us, time down here, to really get it figured out. To really know that when we look back on our life, even though it wasn't perfect, it was a good life. And it meant something. It meant something to me. It meant something to you. So I want you to cherish the minutes. Because like I said, how many times do you hear people say, oh, if I just had a couple more minutes. Or, hey, I just need one more minute. One more minute of your time. A kindness. A gesture in one minute. It's a smile. It's courtesy. It takes less than one minute to say, I'm sorry. takes less than one minute to wound someone deeply with a word or a gesture. Think about this. An eight-week-old baby growing in her mother's womb has lived approximately 86,400 minutes. So even if that child doesn't survive long enough to be born, those 86,400 minutes really mattered, really mattered. That forming life already affected so many people. Even though that child may not have lived long enough to be born, that child mattered. So know that your minutes matter. They matter. Remember, don't, don't ever get caught up in doing them perfectly or lamenting over time lost. Rather, I want you to rejoice in the accomplishment of all the minutes that you've managed. See, today will be 1,440 minutes. That's how long my day is. That's how many minutes is in that one day. I want you to be proud of your age. I'm proud of how old I am. I didn't think I would necessarily make it this long. I did it one minute at a time. So thank God for every, every minute you have. Every minute is meaningful. It's purposeful, even if it's a passing moment. It's getting you to the next one. So recognize that God is in every minute. He cherishes every minute of your life. Not one minute is lost on him. He's there. He's present. Take advantage of him. Make sure that you cherish the people in your life and the time that you have. We're always racing on to the next thing. So I love this, this verse in Ecclesiastes, this chapter 3. And this verse is 1 through 8, and this is out of the Message Bible. And it says, there's a right time for everything. Just that statement alone. There's a right time for everything. That means that every minute, every second is ordained by God. He's in every minute. So it says there's an opportune time to do things. There's a right time for everything on earth. There's a right time for birth and another for death. There's a right time to plant and another to reap. There's a right time to kill, another to heal. There's a right time to destroy and another to construct. There's the time to cry, another to laugh. A time to lament and a time to cheer a time to make love, and a time to abstain. There's a right time to embrace and another to part. There's a right time to search and another to count your losses. There's a right time to hold on and another to let go. There's a right time to rip out and another to mend. There's a time to shut up and another to speak up. There's a right time to love and another to hate. There's a right time to wage war and another to make peace. There's a time for everything. Take advantage of time. Don't fight time. Don't hate hate time. We're locked in time. As soon as Adam and Eve, as soon as they, that fateful moment when they ate of the apple, God placed us in time. He's using time to get us back to where we originally were supposed to be. He's using time to redo, to remake, to reconstruct, to undo, to redo. He's taking advantage of time. We need to as well. We need to enter into time and let time do its job. Let it take its course. And make sure that we embrace time so that we use it in the way that God intended for us to have it, so that actually causes us to be better people, stronger people, healthier people, people that impact the planet in a positive manner, people that bring life and healing and hope and inspiration because of what we've overcome. So we take advantage of time. I want you to own time. It's the most important thing you own. Own your own time. It was given to you. As soon as you were created, as soon as conception occurred, God allotted an amount of time for you. Just as if your parents left you inheritance. What if they said, we're having a baby. This is how much money we're spending on this baby. It's theirs. Well, this is what God is doing for you. He's giving you time to own So this is what I want you to imagine. Think of time as something that you own. Because when it comes down to it, most people don't think of time as something they own. But in reality, you probably already made that association. There's this this common expression to say you're, quote unquote, spending your time doing something. This implies that it's something you own. You're spending time. Is that how you want to spend it? The same way you spend money. So time is something that you own and it's useful. Would you find it so easy to waste something if you knew you owned it? We don't like to waste money. We feel bad if we waste it or someone stole it from us, right? So making this ticket analogy helps. Imagine a stack of tickets that shrink day after day. And this reminds me to be careful how I spend my time. It encourages me to take as much action as possible before those tickets are gone. It's like having a ticket a day. Here's my ticket for Monday. And when Monday is over, the ticket is gone. So I spend it every day and I'm allotted a certain amount of time. So I need to be careful about wasting it. And wasting time for you may be different than wasting time for me. And so There's there's a gentleman, his name is Steve Bloom, and he really talks a lot about time. So if you want to know more about it, he's got some, some really great ways of looking at time and managing time. And he does talk a lot about wasting time. And so we look back on so many instances where we wasted time. And instead of spending time watching useless television programs or horrible movies, we could have been out meeting people, traveling or reading developing our gifts. And so in those instances, I find that, wow, I didn't really value the time I had as something that was important. Now, let me make a little disclaimer. I'm not saying that watching television is always a waste of time. Sometimes we need some downtime. But if we're not living our life, and we're just like spending money. It's kind of like an automatic deduction. Like, w- what if you have a subscription of something, you pay for it every month and you never use it? That's a waste of time. So, we want to see time as important. We also want to see time as finite because there is an end. And so, if it were simply a matter of making up the time that you're spending on another day, it's like picking up a shift on your day off. It doesn't work that way. See, time is limited. You can't get it back. Once, once you go to sleep and you wake up, yesterday is gone. It can never be had again. So you only have whatever you're given. So I'm only given this moment. This is the only moment God has given me because it could end in a moment. My life could end in a moment. So once it's gone, I can't get it back. This is why funerals are so painful for people. They start to think back on all the time they wasted, all the time they could have spent with this person that now is no longer available to them. The time is gone. The time they had to spend with that person is gone. So time is one of those things that's very elusive. It's understanding that we never do get it back. And time isn't something that's out there. It's only out there if God has actually given us that time. So we really only have this moment. So don't waste it. The strange thing about time is we have, is how many people, how few people appreciate it. After all, how many people do you know work all day at jobs they hate or stay in a relationship they can't stand? And they don't know why. Why would you spend a single second doing something you hate or that's intolerable? That is a waste. So I don't want to waste any more time. It's a precious resource. So when I calculate how many minutes I've been alive, it helps me to get some perspective on how important every moment, every minute was because it got me here. So the time I'm spending with you right now it's precious, it's valuable, it's worthwhile, and I want to spend it on you. That's your value, and I value you as God values you. So get rid of the time wasters. Spend little to none of your time in situations you can't stand. Now, it may take time to get out of the situation, but that is time that is worth spending. So spend time. Your time wisely. It's worth it. You're worth it. You're valuable. God is with you in every moment of your life. Ask Him for direction as to how to spend the time He's given you. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week. Make sure you check out the website. Thank you for all your participation in social media. Love to hear your comments and your questions. Have a wonderful, blessed week.